Tonight, we'll be reviewing Dudley Moore in his latest film, Arthur III, Revenge of the Liver. Arthur, I'm afraid you have acute cirrhosis. And you have a cute little butt. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Your pancreas is swollen to the size of a basketball. Oh, no wonder I dribble so much. <laughs> this is very serious. You have less than a year to live. Oh, don't look now, but somebody's eaten all your popsicles. <laughs> Why, there's a piano. From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, though usually one must go to a bowling alley to meet a woman of her stature, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hi. (laughs) What was that face you just made? Was that a winning line from the film? (laughs) It's a line from the film. (laughs) That doesn't bode well. Okay. It's it's delivered better in the film than than I just delivered it. Let us hope. Okay. So why don't we start there this week? We will do a little background. There isn't a lot to talk about as far as background on this movie, but I wanted to circle back to a crack you made last week Mm -hmm. when we were announcing that we were going to do Arthur this week, and I said it's one of my favorite comedies, and you said, which means it's not going to be funny. I mean, I guess I said that. Sure, I gotta take your word. Okay, sure. well, we have it. It's it's on the record. I don't actually listen to our show. No, so. I'm, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> I don't know what but I said. you know, other people do. Mm-hmm. There's, it's on the interwebs. Anyone can download, and listen. Sure. So, would you like to explain that comment? Um, I think you have shown me a number of comedies that I did not find funny that you bafflingly do. <laughs> so that's bafflingly, even though these are universally acclaimed i mean i feel like we gotta be real careful about that who, who, what you who's universe who is in this universe it's the uni- the universe you know, the, the universe around white us boys right now. that grew up in like the okay the 70s and 80s like i just i don't all right sure that's nice for your universe see you gotta you gotta make it a racial thing like just right off well, the bat because i think what we've we've found is that a lot of your comedies speak to a very particular audience that do not include me. Let's 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 examine some of the comedies we've done so far. Okay, I don't remember any of them. I'm okay. I'm aware. Uh, so when we were doing this series for the blog, mm-hmm. the very first film we ever watched was Blazing Saddles. I liked Blazing Saddles. Okay, Blazing Saddles is a funny movie. Okay, mostly because of Cleavon Little. Well, yeah, he's the star of the movie, yes. so that makes sense. Yes. That tracks. Yeah. So, yeah, that that one holds up. That may be the only okay. one that holds up. Now, I will point out, if people want to go back and read that post, mm-hmm. you were snotty about the movie in the post. I was snotty about it, one... It was, like, literally years before you admitted that you actually thought that movie was funny. I think I was snotty about one scene... So that's how this works. ...in that movie, which is the, like, ten minutes they take to sit around a campfire okay. and it's, fart. It's, like, 30 seconds, it's and it's... An iconic it's very scene. long and that, really that's yes. iconic mm-hmm. is it yeah that's all right that's the first again the first we get back to definitions ever to just... appear in a major Do, motion is picture that, is that landmark. something that's we want to historic honor? okay all right anyway they should build monuments it has funny moments okay <laughs> <laughs> And then the first film we did for the podcast Mm -hmm. was Back to the Future. Not very funny. No. No. That one, yeah, you weren't crazy about that. Well, mostly it just pissed me off because the revisionist history in there was just... We're not going to get into that. Okay. Uh, We did a doubleheader of two classics that I don't think you can disparage. Some Like It Hot and Tootsie. I mean, they were funny. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe we should back up. Do you actually... (laughs) believe you have a sense of humor. I have an excellent that's, sense that's of humor. That's a question. Well, I mean, Some Like It Hot. And if and if you do believe that, what evidence are you basing? Some Like that? It Hot was funny. Tootsie was less funny for me than Some mm. Like It Hot. I think I liked Some Like It Hot better than I liked Tootsie. I, I think you did. But um, I think you liked both of them. They were fine. I mean, yeah, I have an excellent sense of humor. Comedy is like one of my favorite genres. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> despite all the evidence. Okay, Life of Brian. You have no. a, you have a Monty Python blind spot. I don't get. I just don't get it. And I admit it that that was maybe just something like I just. It's like a a dog whistle that I can't hear because I just don't. <laughs> I don't understand the Monty Python thing. I just really don't get it. You showed me skits. We've now seen mm-hmm. at least two of their films. Yeah, I think we have seen two and of the movies, yes. It just is not hitting me. So, so I think we need to watch Holy Grail again. I'm I think not that's watching a movie we watched any of it again. very early in our relationship, not, yeah. long before we conceived of this series. I'm pretty sure you've forgotten every single thing about it. Can you tell me a single thing about Monty Python and the Holy Grail? The rabbit thing. Okay, that's one. Uh, is there something about newts? <laughs> <laughs> meep. Is it Meep. What's the, what is it? Is Is that wrong? It's something to that effect. You know what I'm talking about. Do I? I think so. Is it meep? It's like, it's something weird like that. Stop saying meep. Isn't it meep? Am I wrong? Are you referring to the knights who say me? Me. That's what I, I know it's some dumb shit. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I remember. <laughs> there is also a line, she turned me into a newt. So I think that's maybe, where you're okay, getting the Maybe newt, I'm conflating the newt a the number of things. Mixed up and somehow that comes sure. out as meep. Yeah. So that's what I remember. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think we might watch that one again. Not I'm not I'm done with Monty Python. <laughs> I gave it a college try and I'm done. Uh better off dead? Classic? No. No, you didn't like that one at nope. all. <laughs> really didn't didn't get it do you remember anything about that one um i think the one line i liked in it was something about throwing away a good white boy (laughs) yeah something Mm -hmm. to that effect but yeah Yeah. i didn't think it was a good okay no uh fish called wanda was fine like fine okay okay that's progress was not you didn't hate it laugh out loud funny for me that wouldn't be the go-to oh i need something to make me laugh i'm gonna watch fish called wanda there's something very wrong with you i don't think so uh midnight run funny sure brilliant uh, okay classic okay top five comedy wow okay top top 10 comedy at least i'd have to that slid pretty, i'd have to do the math on that, that. Slid pretty quickly. well there's a lot of competition mm-hmm. but and then stripes which i'm pretty sure is the movie you're talking about when you earlier when you were sort of going into your white boy thing yeah i didn't like stripes i didn't find it funny and it, again, I just, I don't like, I mean, I don't find mediocre white dudes funny. Like, you're just, you're just on screen being mediocre, and that's humorous. I don't find that funny. Are you going to do something? No? Okay. I don't get the joke. Uh, the last two comedies we did, so Stir Crazy, you and I both agreed. Was not, was not the best of either of those no. actors, no. And then Real Life, Albert Brooks's Real Life, you enjoyed. Which one was that? Okay. See, I don't even know why we do this because you you just immediately forget these movies. Well, after no, because we I've watch now them. seen a couple of Albert Brooks. There was I'm trying to remember the one where you're shooting the documentary about the family. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That was sure. That was funny. Again, wouldn't turn it on. <laughs> okay. So what? Maybe let's go there. What would you turn on if you needed to laugh? And I'm trying to think if I've ever actually heard you laugh. I'm not sure it's ever actually <laughs> happened. But in theory, okay. theoretically, mm. hypothetically, on paper, what would you turn on if you wanted to, you know, chuckle? Okay. Um. So there are comedies that I will stop on every time they're on television. Besides, let us let me preface this by saying you are not allowed to talk about The Big Lebowski that's for fine. the next 10 minutes. Sure, that's fine. Okay. Um, most recently, Death Becomes Her was on television, which is a fucking oh, uh, hilarious Oh, come on. You, how can you? That is, it's such a funny <laughs> I, <laughs> It's one of my favorite Meryl Streep performances. You can't dismiss. It's so funny. Life of Brian mm-hmm. and Tootsie and then I think, advocate for... I think Death Becomes Her is better Death than both her. of those films for me. There, if I want to laugh. I don't think there's another human being on the planet who agrees with you. I disagree. Okay. I think if I want to laugh. I'm not saying it's choices, a bad movie. It's a fine middle of the road comedy. It's not middle it of the road. It is not an all time comedy. I think it's actually quite brilliant. I think it's very funny. It's dark and weird. <laughs> and I just, I love it. So I will always stop on that. Um, I will always stop on Coming to America. Overrated. Not overrated. Overrated. Ridiculously funny. To the point that there is a restaurant here in Chicago that redid itself <laughs> yes. as McDowell's. And it was fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, What else will I stop on? Eddie Murphy's usually a good go-to. Trading Places I will stop on if it's Trading on. Trading Places is a good movie. I'm trying to figure more recent ones. Does Clueless count as a comedy? Clueless yeah, is Clueless funny. Clueless is a comedy. I, will st- I usually stop on Clueless if it's on. That okay. makes me smile. 
Well, so let me let's re-examine that. With the exception of the Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. was everything you just mentioned women-centered? That could be part of it. Sure, okay. it could be that I'm just sick of men. And the other two are <laughs> black-centric. <laughs> black-centric. So is basically, that what we're you don't find white men funny, which is fair. That's a perfectly reasonable, got, uh, perfectly reasonable position. That's actually an interesting point. I don't find you funny. With the so ex- maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it is white men. <laughs> you see how totally unnecessary that was? I mean, it was right there. Yes. That is a good, that that's night, good comedy right, right there. there on the table you take and you the just, joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and it's also just not true because Big Lebowski, that's a white dude. Okay, and that's... Your love of that movie is mystifying. I love it too, but it doesn't fit any criteria. It seems like a movie you would dislike. I love it. You just said you don't like mediocre, underachieving white men. And he is quintessential. He is the Maybe, quintessential yes, but underachieving white man who just fails upward. He has an ethos. He, he has like a... there. There's a... Say what you will about the tenets of National Socialism. <laughs> at least it's an ethos. He, <laughs> I appreciate his sort of view of the world. Lebowski moves through the world in a very particular way. Yes, he is total garbage and you should not date him. Um... <laughs> Or have it, why Julianne Moore thinks having his baby is a good idea? She goes to a lot of trouble to get his seed. I think he was just there. Of all the men on the planet. Here's the thing, because she knew he would have no interest in the child, and she No, I understand that, but first of all, his sperm are stoned. Like, I don't even think they're going to, it's okay, we don't, (laughs) we're not talking about that, but. There are other white dude comedies, right, that I like? But I don't understand how, Mm. how his sort of. Zen stumbling through life mm-hmm. is particularly different from, you know, Bill Murray's in uh, in Stripes. Because Bill Murray is entitled and uh, um, petulant through most of that film. Smug. And I don't think learns and smug. And so it's like, I okay. deserve a good life, even though I'm doing absolutely nothing <laughs> okay. to get it. This hot chick that's with me, she's just going to stay with me because, and it's like, Why? What do you, whereas Lebowski has no illusions about who he is or what he brings to the table. <laughs> Which I appreciate. I respect that. Okay. This is just, you know, part of the continued mystery of trying to figure out what you actually do and don't like mm-hmm. in movies. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, let's segue into talking about this movie, which is a white guy with $750 million. So as far as entitlement goes, I don't know. Is this something we want to watch since we're on the brink of like a class war? I don't know that I want to watch this. <laughs> what do you actually know about, about this movie? If um, anything? It stars Dudley Moore as a drunk, rich dude. Uh-huh. The butler's not black, is he? No. Okay. Um, Would that be better or worse? Worse. Okay. Um, and then he ends up He's being... He's very not black. Then. Liza Minnelli. That's okay. all I know. That's all you know? That's it. Okay. So this was uh, written and directed by Steve Gordon. Mm -hmm. This was the only movie he directed and only the second movie he wrote. He came up in advertising, had a very successful career in advertising. While he was there, he wrote a play that ended up on Broadway, directed by Carl Reiner. The play opened and closed the same night, so that was it for the playwriting career. But through that, or through Reiner, he got jobs writing for TV. He wrote for TV for a while. He wrote for shows like Barney Miller and Chico and the Man. He wrote the screenplay to a movie called The One and Only, starring Henry Winkler, which I have not seen. And then he wrote the script for Arthur. And absolutely nobody wanted to do it. Basically, every actor in Hollywood turned this movie down. Mm -hmm. Richard Dreyfuss turned it down. James Caan turned it down. Chevy Chase, Jack Nicholson, both Belushi and Aykroyd, Ryan O'Neill. Basically, everybody turned this down. And what Steve Gordon has said is people were saying to me, this man is a rich drunk. I despise him. (laughs) I hate this. He was like, I was giving this to people I loved, and they all hated it. But finally, Dudley Moore came across the script. Moore had broken through in America through a supporting part in the Chevy Chase film Foul Play and through the unlikely romantic lead part of Ten with Bo Derek. Mm-hmm. And was looking for his next vehicle and latched onto this and saw the potential in it. Gordon resisted apparently at first because he had pictured this character as American and Dudley Moore did not want to do an American accent. And Moore argued no one's going to care. And I think he was right. I had literally never thought about it until now. The fact that the character has a British accent for no reason. 
For the Butler role, Gordon had pictured David Niven or James Mason, possibly Alec Guinness. Moore had suggested John Gielgud. They went to Gielgud. Gielgud was not interested. Gielgud was a stage legend, but he had been talked into doing pretty bad movies before Mm -hmm. and was skeptical of doing any Hollywood movies. He said, and I'm not going to do... I'm not going to do the accent. I appreciate that. (laughs) He said, I thought it was rather smutty and a vulgar little film. But each time they asked me, they doubled my salary. So naturally, I became reconciled to it. So eventually, he agreed to do it. And he won an Oscar for that role. So that turned out to be a good decision on his part. This movie, which no one expected anything from, from this first-time director, made almost $100 million domestically, which Mm. was a lot of money in 1981. Mm. It was the fourth most successful movie of 1981, and this is after movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark, On Golden Pond, which we watched here, and Superman 2. Those were the three movies that beat it that year, but came in way ahead of Stripes, which came out the same year, Okay. and made twice as much money as, for example, Clash of the Titans, which also <gasps> came out the same year. No. <laughs> the personal favorite of yours. Bubo! In- inexplicably. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Bubo alone is worth so much more than any of the films that you just named. And the Medusa is ridiculous. It's so good. I do like the Medusa. It's so good. <laughs> that rattlesnake sound I she makes. Love it. I love <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> so the, the sad end of this story is Steve Gordon, who he worked years to become an overnight success mm-hmm. with this movie, dropped dead of a heart attack about a year after oh, no. Arthur opened. So this is his one and only movie. They made a sequel, Arthur 2 On the Rocks, a few years later without Steve Gordon, which was terrible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely unwatchably bad. So this is kind of this, you know, solitary gem. Well, now I'm going to feel bad if I hate it. Because the guy died? Yeah. Well, most of the people in most of the movies we've watched are dead. You don't seem to feel bad about shitting on them. Wow. Did Dudley Moore die of cirrhosis? No. Interesting point on that. Dudley Moore died. He had a disease called supranuclear palsy. Oh. Um, degenerative neurological disease. But it did cause slurring of speech. And he actually said, he said, I'm doomed to become Arthur in real life. <laughs> oh. Because that's... It made him look... As soon as yeah. he, you know, was slurring his speech and stuff, everyone thought he was drunk. Um, this is a bummer opening for a comedy. I got to tell you. <laughs> well, you're the one that just asked if he died of cirrhosis, so you made me answer that. Okay, so well, let's let's end on a happy note. I'll quote you from Roger Ebert's review of the movie. He was a fan. He said a lot of people might expect hanging out with a drunk to be boring, which mm-hmm. I think is partially where you're coming from. Sure. And he said you would be right if it were a party you were attending, but Arthur is a movie. And so it's drunk, unlike real drunks, is more entertaining, more witty, more human, and more poignant than you are. He embodies, in fact, all the wonderful human qualities that drunks fondly, mistakenly believe that booze brings out in them. I agree with that. Okay, let's go watch it. Okay. Don't you wish you were Arthur? Would the more attractive of you please step forward? <laughs> gonna cost you a hundred dollars let's make it two hundred dollars but i will ask you to simonize my car (laughs) how rich are you i wish i had a dime for every dime i have (laughs) anticipating your condition and i brought you orange juice coffee and aspirins or do you need to throw up I'm not married. Keep smiling. Six, eight, eight, five, five, four, nine. Usually one must go to a bowling alley to meet a woman of your stature. I take it this bum will be calling you. Dad, he's a millionaire. You have my permission to marry him. (laughs) Are you a hooker? I forgot. I just thought I was doing great with you. Will you take my hand? That would leave you with one. I'm going to take my coat. You don't have a coat. Well, I'm going to take my tie. <laughs> You're a rich one. How does it feel to have all that money? It feels great. <laughs> 
a dumb question. It's so funny now. I'm just think funny things. What do you do for a living? I race cars, I play tennis, I fondle women, but I have weekends off and I am my own boss. Dudley Moore is Arthur. <laughs> Don't you wish you were Arthur? Arthur, the most fun money can buy. And we're back. During the break, Nakia and I watched Arthur. And Nakia, I will confess, I was a little worried about watching this one. Why? This is a movie that I and some of my deeply weird friends decided when we were about 12 years old (laughs) was about the funniest movie we'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I was a little nervous about revisiting it. It hasn't been that long since I've seen it, but seeing things through your eyes, as we've <laughs> discovered, can somehow ruin them for me. You notice that they are potentially politically incorrect, a little racist, some of these movies that we've watched. Sexist, homophobic, Sexist, transphobic, sure. xenophobic, um, And then sometimes they're just not as funny. And I yes. find that what I remember is I remember thinking they're funny, but they don't make me laugh anymore. Because 12-year-old is... boys have no taste. <laughs> That's the big takeaway from this. However, I was pleased (laughs) to discover that I still think this is an hysterically funny movie. You did laugh a lot during the viewing, yes. I still love this movie. I still think this is a great comedy. What are your thoughts, Hobson? I would not say it was a great comedy for me. I thought it was very charming. I did not hear you laugh, but then I never really hear you laugh that as we discussed. That is not true, because now you make people think that I have absolutely no sense of humor at all. And I, I do. I love comedy. I love to laugh. So this was, I laughed about as much as I would laugh at a charming drunk in real life, where it's like, you give them a light chuckle, <laughs> well, no, and you shake your head. <laughs> and you walk away. And you walk you know. away. And you, and you just go. <laughs> so yeah, I just, it was charming. I think. Charming. It, that's, that's one of those words that can be damning with faint praise. <laughs> I think Dudley Moore achieved quite a feat in that I did not get annoyed with him because Mm -hmm. I think spending, you know, two hours watching a drunk on film can be very tiresome and it can, it can just become really one note. Mm -hmm. And that was not the case. I'm actually pleased to hear that because I was worried about that. And even again, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the the experience of watching movies sitting beside you Mm -hmm. knowing you're watching them. Just the first few minutes of the cackling. Mm -hmm. It's like Tom Hulson Amadeus, right? It's that just Mm -hmm. insane giggle that I'm sitting there thinking, oh, is this going to really get on her nerves? Is this going to... And then just the constant one-liners coming out. Yeah. Um, I wondered if it was going to annoy you, but it didn't. It didn't. Okay. Um, And I think that's because, you know, while it doesn't sort of explore the deep pathos of like a leaving Las Vegas... Um, well, Jesus, no. Well, I mean, if we're talking about drunks and <laughs> prostitutes, really. Sure. Um, so, I do think there was this undercurrent of sadness yes. and loneliness, and there was self-awareness, which I deeply, deeply mm-hmm. appreciated. That sort of helped to make that character a bit more three-dimensional and, and more tolerable. Uh, I agree. And this is... I I think the second or third movie review I wrote after I launched my website Mm -hmm. back in 2011 was a review of the hideous remake of Arthur Mm -hmm. starring Russell Brand. Ah, yes. And it was a terrible, terrible movie, and it's deservedly forgotten at this point. But the biggest difference was they completely missed the point of that, what you just said Mm -hmm. about that pathos that almost depression yeah. that's underlying Arthur's character. I mean, he really was just an idiot man-child in the remake, the Russell Brand Which is interesting version. because Russell Brand actually um, battled addiction for a really long time. Yeah, so you would think he would... It didn't come through so much. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you know, an eight-year-old in the body of a mm, grown man. Okay. Uh, but no, I mean, Arthur in this movie is... I, I For me, the key line of the movie is when he's talking to his unwelcome fiance, mm-hmm. and he says, everyone who drinks is not a poet. Right. 
Some just, of us drink because we're not poets. Right, just yeah. that self-awareness about himself that, yeah. you know, I'm not a very impressive person. Yeah. I'm not a very good person. Yeah. No, I mean, there were a number of lines like that, you know, constantly asking people if they liked him, mm-hmm. saying there was a lot of talk about hating to be alone and loneliness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there there was this, like, I'm drinking because I don't feel okay with myself. Right. Which I thought was really interesting for a comedy um, and helped to, like I said, helped to make it something that wasn't just irritating because it is that but it is also this like propaganda film for reaganomics which so <laughs> it's it's a weird but so i hate okay. that part of it where oh. i'm just like oh, okay. I, I can't deal i can't deal with the generational wealth i can't deal I, I, with the inheritance of 750 million dollars by someone who brings nothing to the world it's just <laughs> it's just of no value really and the sort of, again, the sort of failing up of mediocre men, and the, uh, particularly mediocre wealthy men. And this, like, using a character like Arthur, who is very difficult to hate, and making him the face of wealth and generational of wealth. Of grotesque wealth. Of grotesque wealth. <laughs> so then it becomes like, oh, this is good greed. And it's like, well, there's no such thing as good greed. And, like, that's a problem. Like. <laughs> <laughs> this whole setup okay. is a problem. Right. So, but that's how I'm coming at it in, in, the, in the same way that like, so we've talked about this before of just like, what does it mean to be watching something in 2019 versus 1981 when it's made? His driving drunk is that, meant to be funny. And I'm just like, this is fucking That horrifying. is a moment that, yes. <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> and there was a point in the 80s, I think it was the, what's, Drunks Against Mad Mothers? What's the group? Mothers Against Drunk Driving. <laughs> yeah, that's Mad. the one. <laughs> yes. That whole campaign really, you know, woke people up mm. to driving drunk. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was not yeah. taken quite so yeah. seriously. It and was like, isn't it funny? He's drunk funny? and driving right. on the highway. I'm just like, this is <laughs> horrifying. Because you know if he hit someone... The generational wealth will come into play, and he would not be prosecuted. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, so, no, no. so that's what, so. I was battling two things here. Okay, but he didn't hit anyone. Sure, but he was, you know, insanely wealthy at no sort of effort of his yeah, own. We understand and you want to burn down the whole system, eat and the rich, basically redistribute yes. the wealth mm-hmm. and sure. all of that. Yes. Okay, fine. Right. <laughs> it's not really what this movie was about. It's not what it, but I mean, but it was like because it, I mean that's a that's a very deliberate take on wealth. And again, we're in we were in this period of Reaganomics where we're trying to say, oh, trickle down economics is a real thing, and it's like, oh, because he's paying for his hookers. Um, so <laughs> it's <laughs> I, he paid his hookers very well. Sure, um, but this idea sex workers, sex, please. Yes, sorry, yes, absolutely, sex workers. But so yeah, so that's difficult for me to look at that and say, oh, isn't this a cute little thing? And I'm just like, well, he's. It feels like propaganda a little bit, knowing the year that it came out. Um, Okay. I struggle with that a little bit. I was actually half expecting you to object to Arthur. Previously, you have objected to characters, many, many characters. (laughs) I I think this came up in the the Bill Murray discussion Mm -hmm. about... Women having to raise Raise grown ass men. Grown ass men. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely a problem. I mean, Susan's whole characterization, that speech that she gives when they are at their very sad uh, (laughs) proposal dinner. (laughs) No, it's a magical evening. Just Jesus. She says it like she's trying to convince herself. The bitch is committed. It's a magical like, evening. She is determined she is, to marry this trash This is a character I want to talk about because she... Susan's kind of fascinating. Is, yes. But <laughs> she has... It is sheer will. <laughs> she is determined <laughs> to marry this man. And she, and she's very much like, you know, I... You need to find a woman who is strong enough to to keep you from drinking. And every sort of... He's not insulting her, but he's very clearly saying, I don't love you. She says a real woman could stop you from drinking. And And he says, she'd have to be a real big woman. It's just sad. And so that's a whole other statement on like how women can sometimes blind themselves to the just... Well, she starts that speech out saying, you can, you know... Not call me for right. months. Treat me like you garbage. You can treat me like garbage. I'm still going to love I you. I will love you anyway. You can't possibly drive right. me away, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, it is troubling. It is so... And, and it's, it's not... She has money. She does. She well, comes that's the from other a wealthy thing is like, family. She wasn't even approaching it as like, this is a business merger and we need to no. make this happen. Right. She says, I love you. She's not a gold digger. No. She has to... So I'm not sure where that love came from, yeah. how she developed this love for him. She obviously needs therapy and to work 
on her own sort of self-esteem. Maybe it's one of those, that, like, they were children together, and she just, since she was four <laughs> years old, has decided she's going to marry him. Right. I don't know. It is a mystery He's there, still the same person that he she was. She is deeply troubled. At that eight woman. years old. So I don't know why you would be still be attracted <laughs> to something like that. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a little bit troubling. But then you have Linda, who seems to just accept him for who he is. Yeah. Which is fine, but he's trash. Like, he's not... <laughs> the only endearing quality about him is that he has $750 million coming. That's not true. He's very funny. That shit gets he's old. He's very cute. That's, that stuff gets old quick. The only reason it wouldn't get old in this case is because he's wealthy. If that was a broke-ass man, and you'd be like, oh, he's charming and he's funny, get his broke-ass up out of here. He's Bill Murray. Exactly. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. just the money that makes him worth engaging with in any way. So, just, so I, the whole, all of the sort of representations of love in this film are deeply problematic, except for the relationship between he and Hobson. Okay, well, let's, hold on. Let's stick a pin in that. So on the Linda front, mm-hmm. um, which who okay. goes to Bergdorf <laughs> dressed like Jesse from Toy Story? I knew, I knew when I saw her outfit, I knew you were going to have something to say, but I have it in my notes. What did you think of that outfit? To try and steal. <laughs> you look ridiculous. You are actively attracting suspicion just by the way you are dressed and you're trying to slip a tie into your bag. Who did you say she was dressed by? Jesse from Toy Story. The girl cowboy. Oh. <laughs> Google Jesse from Toy no. Story. <laughs> yeah, she had the red cowboy yeah, hat. Like, yeah, like little uh-huh. yellow slicker on. Yeah, nope. <laughs> I don't understand. That's just poor planning. I don't get that. That's the other thing I know from watching movies with you after all these years. Horrifying. It's when the outfits show up. Just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, you were going to say. Uh, I don't even remember now. <laughs> You're going to talk about Linda. What do we want to say about Linda? Oh, well, you said she accepts him as he is. Sure. Do you think she has an agenda? Because one of the first, th- the first thing she says to her father about him is, she says, do you know why women marry so badly? It's because there are so many girls and so, many so, girls few, princes. And so few princes. Mm-hmm. And he says, you met a prince? And she says, I met a nice guy. With my help, he could yeah. become a prince. Again, we got to put in work. <laughs> to make y'all worth a damn and it's just we gotta stop this narrative we gotta stop it because it's not like it again it's only worth it because there's 750 million dollars that's the only reason you should put in any effort into a man is if there is millions of dollars well i don't have millions of dollars you i just you you put in some you don't put in a lot of effort but you you, know, you put in a little effort <laughs> I have put in so much effort. I put in so much effort. I know, but I'm also, you know, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't. No, that was poor planning on my part. <laughs> it's because I've been watching too many films where we're trying to where it's romantic yeah. to try to salvage mm-hmm. the the wreck of a human being Basically. that you fall in love with. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about Hobson, which is the real love story in this movie and my favorite character. And in down. fact. Apparently, Steve Gordon, as I said, he was a first-time director. He he apparently showed up on set, first of all, and turned to everybody there and was like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, he had no idea how to direct a movie. Mm-hmm. They got through it, and I don't, you know, I think he did a serviceable job. Um, but apparently, he had multiple endings for this. He didn't know how to end it. The editing process, he basically, every time he turned in a print, it was a different movie. Mm-hmm. And one of them, apparently, Dudley Moore had to intervene and tell him, you have completely forgotten that this was supposed to be a romantic comedy. You you are so focused on the Hobson-Arthur relationship. That's the more interesting relationship. That you have left Liza Minnelli completely on the cutting room floor. Whether that would have been a better version of this movie, I don't know. We can discuss that, too. But yeah, that relationship does completely overshadow yeah. the the love story that is supposed to be at the center of this movie. Yeah. And it's a more interesting story, frankly. It is because it's crossing class lines in a really interesting way. Like they they really it really is a father-son relationship mm-hmm. more than a employer-employee relationship even though the reality is he pays him to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's but at the same time Hobson is does not um defer to Arthur in any way. He's very much like, I'm given exactly what you're you're giving and I'm gonna call you on your nonsense and basically raising him mm-hmm. because he is a child. Um <laughs> so it's a really I think those two are well matched in the film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that um Arthur and, and Liza are as well matched. Yeah. I don't think they are on any yeah. level. Um I have never been particularly impressed with Liza Minnelli as an actress. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whatever her Broadway persona is, mm-hmm. however, whatever stardom she deserves in that realm yes. is another conversation. But as an actress, I don't think she's particularly good. I think she's the weak link in this movie. She doesn't ruin the movie, but no. I think she's the weak link. But to be fair, I also think her material is not as good. I think sure. Steve Gordon gave all of the good lines to Dudley Moore and John Gielgud, yeah. and she's very much in third position yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. John Gielgud, that's as deserving an Oscar win, I think, (laughs) as anyone ever got. And again, people don't usually win for comedies. We've talked about that before, Mm -hmm. but just brilliant, Mm -hmm. that performance. And really not doing very much. He doesn't have to do very much. And Steve Gordon said that about him, said, when we were filming, I'd be like, Gielgud isn't giving me anything. And then he said he would watch the dailies and just see Gielgud just arch an eyebrow a little bit and just burst out laughing. <laughs> and that's the kind of performance that it is. But yeah, it, it makes the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as what makes me laugh in this film, it's probably more of his lines <laughs> than anyone else's. And you're, and you're right, they aren't. He doesn't have to do much. Mm-hmm. It's Part of it is just his bearing Mm-hmm. the accent and also so there's just already inherently disdain and condescension <laughs> no matter what he's saying and it's also I, like i you're not he, worth me exercising much energy beyond what i'm exercising right now he and, is a tremendous snob as arthur tells him at one point absolutely and he's really mean to people yes but it's great like you don't even feel hurt you're just like well i totally deserve that one got it like Like when he shows up at linda's apartment he's he's like this is like disgusting yeah and he's just it's not revolting yeah it's not nice but it's perfect if you and your undershirt would take one step backwards i could enter this dwelling you gotta appreciate that See again, that was the care. I wasn't sure you would you would appreciate that character, or whether you would just think he was, you know, a terrible person. No, I love a. I mean, he's basically a bitchy queen. Like he's just <laughs> perfect. Did you? Uh, when did you cotton to the fact that that he was not long for this world? Well, there is the telltale movie cough. <laughs> as soon as someone coughs in a film, no one has ever coughed in a they movie that survived the film. Yes. Yeah. Well, even before the coughing, he says some line to the effect of, like, I don't want you to be alone, Arthur. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we already knew. Yes, Arthur says, I'll never be alone. I have you. Yeah. And that's... That he was not long for this world. Mm-hmm. And then he started, like, coughing up a lung every scene. <laughs> so. I love that scene in the hospital where he's giving him presents. Yes. And he gives him a basketball. And a train. <laughs> all things that he had in his you room. You purchased a choo-choo. Yes. I'm very pleased. <laughs> And there's a great moment where Hobson says, he says, I'm frightened, Arthur. And Dudley Moore turns around and picks up the basketball and and hands hands it to him. him, And Gilgood hugs the basketball. Yeah. It's a really powerful little moment. And that's, there's something about these British actors and what they can do with a scene that Mm. versus what's on paper, Mm -hmm. you know, that I think is amazing. Well, it's also, I mean, there's this moment um, when Arthur's sort of first courting Linda and he says something to the effect of like, I've never taken care of anyone, but I would take care of you. And who he actually ends up taking care of is Hobson. And so again, it's like, that's to me, that's the love story in this film is between he and Hobson. Right. What Hobson does, is, and he's he seems to be very self-aware of this, is he's handing Arthur off right. to Linda. Right. When he goes to their apartment, he says something like, along those lines. He says, she says, you take care of him, don't you? And mm-hmm. he says, yes, and it's a job I recommend highly. Yeah. All right. Well, so what were the funny moments of this movie for you? Or the funny lines? I don't know that I wrote any down. I wrote ones where you cracked up. <laughs> So the first one was when he picks up the sex worker, <laughs> Gloria, and takes her to the restaurant. That line, yeah, that's my favorite line, and it's so wrong. And he and he's like, "Tell me about yourself," and she's like, "You want to know how I became?" Um, she, I think she called herself a hooker. Yeah. Um, and she said, "My she, mother died when I was six. And then she says, "My father raped me when I was twelve, and he says. So you had six relatively good years. And you laughed your ass off. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> you know, it just sort of summarizes for me how his mind works. He's always looking for just the the funny line, even in horror. <laughs> and then the other part that just makes me laugh out loud is Perry's wife. Oh, God, Perry's wife. <laughs> 
Yes. So yeah, you want to talk about the lot, the whole line that you know, there's no small parts, they're just small actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Helen Hanf plays Perry's wife, this woman that Arthur wakes up in the middle of the night and she just screams at him. And I don't even know why it's so funny, but it's just about the funniest <laughs> scene I can think of. My husband has a gun. <laughs> it's just so it's so unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she just bursts out, just screaming at the top of her lungs at him at three o'clock in the morning. And then her poor suffering husband and he, Arthur basically starts a little domestic dispute here. <laughs> it's also that perfect meeting of upper class with working class. Yes. And just the difference in how... Because he was just startled, too. Mm-hmm. He was just like, I, why are people behaving this way? I don't understand. It's because they have a job and they have to get up tomorrow. Right. He just knocked on their door at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and then when he finally gets to Linda's apartment in the next scene, he walks in the door and he says, don't you hate Perry's wife? <laughs> but yes, he was, he was funny in a lot of ways that shouldn't have been funny. The whole scene where he is at Susan's father's estate i guess you would call it um and there's a huge dead moose (laughs) or something on the wall that that was one of the lines that was one of the scenes that my friends and i quoted a lot (laughs) where's the rest of the moose um and growing up in maine there were plenty of opportunities to use those lines i imagine yes (laughs) you must have hated this moose (laughs) why don't you forget the moose We haven't really talked about the plot. I mean, the plot, I guess we just kind of just... The plot is the just, plot is, yeah. I mean, Arthur is a playboy, <laughs> alcoholic, multimillionaire who is a man-child and has no interest in growing up. Um, and he, for reasons of business and commerce, must marry <laughs> Susan, uh, the the sort of the daughter of another... Jill Eikenberry. ...wealthy <laughs> family. Um, and then he... Somehow, for some reason, falls in love with Linda. Again, dressed Did as you buy that? Jesse that's, that's from a- Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> Don't understand the attraction. That is an issue. Did, did you buy the love story? I would buy that they'd be best friends. There wasn't a whole lot of like romantic energy between the two. Uh, there was, yeah, not a lot of. But I could see why they would get along because she did joke with him and sort of was able to meet him on his level. Mm-hmm. But it was, but again, it felt like a mother taking care of a child sort of thing. <laughs> like she, she's going to have to take care of him mm-hmm. when he becomes feeble-minded. Um, <laughs> and the only good outcome again well, is he will die and leave her millions. The final, of dollars. the final scene of the movie, she she's is carrying like, his drunk, beat up ass, and she's of, putting the back teen or yes. something on his. I don't want you to like get an infection. Right. Yes. So it's not. So there wasn't a whole lot of romantic energy between the two of them for me. Uh-huh. It was more like they'll be best friends and then she's going to have to take care of him when he pisses himself in the bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where that road goes. Well, you don't, th- you don't think he's going to grow up at this point? I don't think he's going to grow up. So here's the thing with his drinking. And I'm, I wasn't tracking it perfectly, but it did seem that in the moments where he was happy, he was sober. Yes. And he was sober when he was taking care of Hobson in the hospital. Yep. So we could say that he's now happy with Linda, and so he'll be sober. Right. His his drinking seems to be in reaction to his family, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. Or in reaction to, to all of these life. people who want him to be something that yes. he doesn't want to be. Right. So when he has to go see his father, he mm-hmm. gets drunk. When he has to go see Susan, Susan he gets drunk. Mm-hmm. Father, he gets drunk. Right. The engagement party, he's drunk for where he's getting drunk. I don't know. He gets fully, fully drunk in that scene. But yeah, so it could be that he'll be fine and he'll walk away. He, he won't obviously get a job because there was a moment where he could walk away and not have the money. And then he thought better of that and said, no, actually, <laughs> I will go ahead and take that $750 Oh, come on. Would you have been satisfied if this movie had ended with him poor? Well, no, because that wouldn't be reality. And right. I also wouldn't walk away poor. Like, yeah. And what I did love about it was that, one, I liked his, that was his grandmother. Yes. She was a feisty little broad. Um, I did like that she was very much like, poor drunks like aren't cute. You're not going to enjoy being a poor drunk. <laughs> so I appreciated, You're too old to right, learn. I appreciated the awareness of just like, you can't be poor. Yeah. Also because it is a recognition of how hard it is to be poor. Like it's fucking hard mm-hmm. being poor. And nobody chooses it. And I feel like sometimes we lose that a little bit when we talk about poor and low income folks. Right. Like it takes a lot. It, it's it's a, it's hard work. 
so I, I appreciated just like the again the self awareness of like you no know, I'm I'm gonna keep my seven hundred and fifty million dollars if I can <laughs> thank you so uh, related to that topic we we should probably spare mention for Linda's father mm-hmm. <laughs> who was very who was ready to pimp his daughter out immediately and uh, the casting in this movie is fantastic yeah even the very minor characters mm-hmm. like Perry's wife. I love the the guy in the flower store. Mm-hmm. He goes to buy flowers for Linda. That guy is fantastic. They all feel like lived-in people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arthur's just buying everything. At any point. He's like, what's that? And the guy's like, it's a fern. You need five. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Linda's father, uh, played by Barney Martin, is a fantastic character. He asks her, what, is, what does this guy do for a living? And mm-hmm. she says, nothing. He's like, uh, another bum. Another bum. Mm-hmm. And then she says, Dad, he's a millionaire. And instantly it's, you have my permission to marry him. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> I mean, the whole question of what's going to happen now is interesting. And again, we're going to completely ignore the fact that there is a sequel because it's terrible. And okay. Uh, so when Hobson is dying, Arthur completely sobers up. He takes care of Hobson. He steps up to the plate. He becomes an adult. And that is... I mean, that's really Arthur's arc in this movie, is that mm-hmm. he does become an adult mm-hmm. through his love for Hobson and his love for Linda. Sure. More so the love for Hobson, I think. But yeah. I agree. But then it's like the movie needs to end funny, and Arthur drunk is funny, so it's like he gets drunk again. Yeah. So even though... His becoming an adult is supposed to be the completion of his arc. We don't end on the completion of the arc. We end with this regression Mm -hmm. back to the falling down drunk Mm -hmm. Arthur at the end of the movie. Well, I mean, I guess that makes sense in the pattern that we talked about where Arthur drinks when he has to confront something he doesn't want to confront, which is having to go to the church and tell Susan, I'm not going to marry you. I'm in love with someone else. Right. But if this were a real he redemption story, been sober. he yes. could have done that sober he and been an adult and yes. just face the music. And yeah. And they would have already been ending on a joke because Susan and her bridal party were dressed like toilet paper cozies. And was, <laughs> I, wealth does not buy taste. And I just cannot, I could not look at them. Again, I knew you were going to be hard As on her wedding dress. It was all lace and frill. And you would think they were getting married on a plantation in the South. It was insane. It was ridiculous. Well, they are new money, so they don't they don't okay, have the that's taste. True. You know, Got it. But yeah, they look. We like learned from her father that he started out in the gutter. There should be toilet paper rolls <laughs> underneath them. It's very tacky. But yeah, so it was a very much a slapstick ending because then Susan's father comes in and basically whoops his ass for like ten minutes for you know hurting his baby, and then pulls a knife and it gets shit gets real pretty yeah. quick. Um, but luckily doesn't you know stab anyone. So no, yeah, the scary grandmother comes in right and shuts that shit down. So, yes, I guess in the pattern that we have seen across the film, it makes sense. But you're right that he does have this moment of growth. But obviously that growth is short lived or at least doesn't mean that he's not going to keep getting drunk. Right. Highly possible that he's just a raging alcoholic. He is absolutely an alcoholic (laughs) and should be in treatment. But he's cute and it's funny. So we're going to laugh through it. All right. Do you have a favorite part of this movie? Favorite part. These are standard questions I ask you. You know, favorite part, least favorite part. Are you saying I'm unprepared? Is that what this is? <laughs> Problem is, it's, it's, it's always like we're doing this for the first time. It's every, because I never have a favorite week, part of these fucking like movies. The There's never time. a favorite part. It's all There's new. never a favorite part. <laughs> I mean, in general, Hobson was my favorite part. Okay. I like Hobson being bitchy to people. <laughs> Telling Linda she looked like somebody, a woman he, they pick up in a bowling alley or something. Like, I just, it's perfect. Loved it. I look forward to your next syllable with great eagerness. <laughs> so I would say Hobson is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I don't know how he could not be. All right. Least favorite part? I mean, like I said, I have a problem with the wealth, the, the ostentatious wealth. And, and oh, then, I mean. Well. Let's be honest. You would marry Arthur in a heartbeat. I really would. I don't think you, I, Seven hundred and fifty million dollars. I would have taken the hundred thousand that he offered Linda. <laughs> <laughs> That's that would have been As my yeah. I would be like, take that, got it. <laughs> Feeling good about myself. Yes. So um, I don't know that I would be married to Arthur. <laughs> That's a, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would marry Arthur. That takes a lot of meditation. I guess my least favorite part is at the end when his grandmother says something to the effect of, like, your children will be senators, ambassadors, and maybe even the president. And that just made me sad about where we are. 
Oh, as a country, because that's that's what we have. We have a fucking buffoon who was lucky enough to be born into wealth. So you're gonna end us on another down well, note here. You're this is you picked this film. <laughs> this was the light movie. <laughs> this was the happy movie. Okay, well, circling back to the conversation with which we began this week, you are admitting that this is a funny movie. Sure. I will admit that this is a funny movie. And that I have excellent taste I will in not comedies. go that far. No. I will say that you did not fuck up this particular this choice. <laughs> a movie that you clearly needed to see. I don't know. Again, I don't know that I needed to see this. Did you enjoy it? Sure. It was It was charming. Okay. Yeah. And see, you never say thank you. I guess that's what I'm coming what down to. What the fuck? What am I thanking you for exactly? never say thank you for introducing you to these gems. Are you serious right now? I'm totally serious. Is that so much to ask? How about <laughs> you never thank me for raising your broke ass, <laughs> for loving you, for your humor in your turn, and not seven hundred fifty-five million dollars. Seven hundred fifty-five. You just threw an extra five million. I in. think. I think it's actually seven hundred fifty-five. It's just seven hundred fifty. Right. No, you well, just, you just threw out an extra five again. You Reaganomics. It'll be tipped yourself an extra five three million. times that the, the next few. So just whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to argue over $5 million, really? I'll take the $5 million to walk away. For me? From all of this. <laughs> we can split it. We'll both Deal. walk away. <laughs> all right, we're done. <laughs> it's going to be a short episode this week. <laughs> that's our show we want to thank you for listening and we hope you'll join us again next week Nakia on August 30th the Jim Henson company is dropping its new series The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix so I thought we would take the opportunity next week to talk all things Muppet and watch Jim Henson's original film The Dark Crystal from 1982 this is the one without David Bowie in a codpiece <laughs> if memory serves David Bowie is not in that one that's no. just a waste, but okay. <laughs> you know, come to think of it, it doesn't have teenage Jennifer Connelly in okay, it see, either, so maybe we should just watch Mine that is, you know... You just talked about his dick. But it's David Boy who is a grown-ass man in that film. How old was Jennifer Connelly? She was... Thank you. <laughs> Another entry in the Men Are Trash <laughs> book. <laughs> so... <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at freerangecritic, or send an email to michael at unaffiliatedcritic.com. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show or suggest a film that Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. Don't drink and drive. <laughs> Important public service message. Yes, Thank you. FYI. <laughs> I'm sorry? I'm a fun drunk. You are a fun drunk. Thank you. As listeners to our episode on The Godfather can testify, you are unfortunately only briefly a fun drunk. Before? It's So starting about halfway through your first drink. Okay, it's not that early. Through okay. about... One and a half drinks. Oh, fuck That's you, dude. the window no. in which you were a very fun drunk. No. And then you're unconscious. No. False. <laughs> no. I can knock back. So it's, a, it's basically a one no. drink window. It's a four or five drink window. <laughs> okay. You in your life, you have never had four <laughs> or five drinks and remained capable of human speech. It's four or five drinks. No. Yes. <laughs> I tried to. I tr suggested we drink for this one. It seemed like the perfect episode to do it for. It's a little on the nose. You think? Yeah. A little obvious. It's a little on the nose. <laughs> so. Okay, so we'll save that for when we do Godfather Two. I guess I'm not watching another Godfather. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what you said about every movie we've ever watched. <laughs>